Everybody, uh, Dan Hayes, Binder Boneyard, bringing you installment three of the Boneyard podcast. Um, first thing off the top, I want to say rest in peace to a scout guy, an international guy, pretty much across the board. He had everything from you know M three dash four military trucks to scout 80s and 800s and ss2s and everything uh mike kunzelman he uh bought a lot of stuff for me over the years i actually only met him once i believe at a show last year i want to say um you know i meet so many people it's hard to remember everyone i meet but mike bought a lot of stuff uh, a lot of nos parts and things and uh, i learned through facebook yesterday uh, that he had passed away uh, about 12 or 13 days ago now um not sure of what um i guess it's not any of my business anyways but uh yeah um so just kind of right there off the top rest in peace families in my thoughts like always so if anybody knew Mike, um, you know, hopefully everything's going good over there. Um, so yeah, coming to you from the Boneyard Parts Cavern, uh, dog kennel, chicken coop, camping gear, storage closet. Um, so, you know, just trying to figure these things out and um, get, them, get them a little bit more listenable so i appreciate everyone that's uh, suffering through my nasally drone and and all the uh good uh feedback on facebook and various social medias i really really uh appreciate that and the people that have set up um, donations through patreon um can't thank you guys enough um the ih scout owners of the world uh page is pledged uh some money and uh, Frank Zabsky, you know, I've sold him a lot of parts, um, and uh, Frank was buying for me back in the day when I still was slinging them out of my backyard. So um, I really appreciate you guys. Um, the the IH owners of the world page is is definitely one you want to check out. Um, it's a good page. So anybody, hey, I I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, you know, if you want to donated you want to help out um you know brad my production guy he doesn't uh work for free so um you know every little bit helps keep the show going and uh appreciate it appreciate it a lot um you know and and because of you guys you know sharing it liking it leaving reviews on itunes um you know that's great for us also don't forget, we do have a YouTube channel, uh, you know, Binder Boneyard on YouTube. We've got a lot of technical videos. Uh, there's some old videos from way back in the day that are, you know, kind of funny and, you know, shows just how small I was when I started this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's technical stuff. There's trip stuff. There's, uh, you know, just various things, how to identify your rig and what makes certain rigs special you know, a little bit of everything, and we're hoping to get that going again uh, here before long. But, uh, you know, again, 
Instagram, uh, Binder Boneyard, Facebook, all that stuff. So really, really appreciate you guys. If you have questions or leave you know more detailed feedback, um, you can always reach us at Binder Boneyard Podcast at Gmail. Um, you know, uh, that's a good way, especially if you have questions you want answered or something you're curious about. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Binder Boneyard Podcast at gmail.com. So, I just snuck in here, um, took a little break, ate a slice of pizza, and uh, figured I'd bang this one out because uh, it's going to be busy. Busy, busy, like always. Uh, still getting ready for nationals. Um, I'm recording this on Friday night, um, but you will actually hear this on Monday. So I will be in the throes of the final load up and everything else. So if uh, anybody needs uh, last minute stuff thrown on the trailer, please let me know um, and I'll get it thrown on top. So, um, again, thank you everybody for paying attention and following along. Uh, hopefully my stories aren't, uh, aren't too boring. I'm, uh, I'm kind of just giving you guys the intro to where I'm coming from and why, uh, you know, I do what I do and what's made me, what's made me. Um, so, you know, I talked about, uh, my first scout my little 800, um, talked about how I started the boneyard. And in that story, I'd mentioned that it was my third attempt and I never mentioned what my second attempt at business was. Uh, it was actually a fabrication shop. So while I was working doing foreclosed houses, uh, I had rented a shop space that was super cheap because businesses were going under left and right and landlords were looking for anybody to fill anything. So I rented a space in Bend, Oregon and uh, was doing fab work on the side and uh, that lasted about eight months um, and again with the overhead and whatever I went to work for a regular fab shop and couldn't justify keeping my own shop open so I closed it up and moved all my tooling back home and and uh, that's when I got the urge to put up the tarp garage in my backyard so that uh, being said um, in the first story about my scout 800, I had mentioned that my second scout was a scout two, uh, 73 glacier blue gigantic Bondo spot in the quarter panel. Um, surprisingly had little to no rust, um, which at the time I didn't realize, you know, scout twos. I don't, I didn't know anything. I barely got my scout 800 figured out. So, uh, you know, so I went and looked at this Scout 2 sitting on the side of the highway. Uh, had two flat tires on opposite corners of the truck, so it was sitting all crossed up and twisted up. And uh, I called the number on the sign, which you could barely read. <clears throat> and uh, the guy didn't even uh, remember that he had a Scout for sale. Apparently the property belonged to a friend of his. His friend said he could park it out by the road and put a sign in it. Well, it sat for so long. Nobody remembered what the heck. Um, so I finally jogged his memory. <laughs> he came out. I had a battery. We splashed some gas in it. 
and amazingly, it started. Uh, it was a 345 automatic truck, uh, Dana 30 front with drum brakes because it was a 73, but it had the up package uh you know chrome trim around the grill and fancy headlight rings and whatnot um it was it was uh definitely a a little bit nicer of the scout twos had you know just the interior was was nicer um and so i instantly fell in love with the scout two over my 80 because or 800 i'm sorry because the it, it was just so much more refined you know it didn't leak it didn't smell as bad it was quieter um it sure as hell didn't drive any better uh the scout had a long shackle lift on it so they could clear 31s without it rubbing because the springs had arched out so bad uh that the tires would rub and so they put these big shackles on and if anybody knows much about scout twos Long shackles throw your caster way off. And with poor caster comes even poorer handling. And this thing was scary to drive. Scary. But I limped it home at about 40. Got it to my dad's place because that's where I was stashing all of my rigs out there on the hobby farm. And started tinkering. Uh, Took it on a camping trip, a local, just like up in the hills. Immediately blew the Dana 30 up. Um, that thing, <laughs> it crapped itself out like within the first 20 minutes. The spider gears just stripped out and it was done for. Um, so that was my uh, wake-up call that I needed different axles. Well, hey, if I'm doing different axles, I might as well lift it. And so I got the crazy idea to do a spring over. So I decided to use pickup axles. And I had gotten a 75-200 three-quarter ton four-wheel drive pickup for parts. And I stole the axles. It was a 44 front and a 60 rear. And, you know, of course, sprung over. So uh, with help of a friend and his dad, uh, Jerry Jenkins, which I will always be grateful for, um, we shoehorn these full-size axles under my scout. And it took a bunch of perch work and, you know, just a, a lot of stuff to get full-size axles. And we put two and a half inch springs up front and then left the stock springs in the back, just put perches on and went through a whole rigmarole to make it work because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know the, the cookbook yet. And Jerry, I mean, he was kind of a general, I don't know, he worked on all kinds of stuff, but he didn't know the, the correct way to go about doing something like this either. So it was a learning experience for all of us. Um, but now I was sprung over on 34s. I had bought some super skinny swampers. They were 34 by 9. And uh, they looked amazing. The, the Scout, it looked just right. Those pizza cutters sprung over, full body still, uh, hadn't cut any fender, hadn't done anything. The Bondo spot was still in the, bit, in the bedside. It was just, it was perfect. And that's how I cut my teeth on wheeling. And 
And then more fabrication, started building stuff, fixing things, learning my way around the scout, um, and learning how to build them reliably. Because uh, you could scab together a rig and get it down the road, but I was driving the scout to Seattle and um, California and other places because the internet was becoming a thing for me. This was like 2004, maybe? Oh, God, I can't remember. My, They all run together for me. But uh, yeah, it was like 2003, 2004, and a binder bulletin at the time, now it's Binder Planet, uh, was the place to go for all of your tech, for all of your camaraderie, all that stuff. Well, um, we started a club through the Binder Bulletin, uh, the International Scouts and Trucks of Oregon. Well, through this club, we were going to various shows that I had no idea existed because, uh, again, I was an international guy. And, uh, yeah, really started meeting a lot of people, doing a lot of stuff, and um, was driving my Scout. I didn't have any way to tow it. I had my Ford pickup, but it had the E4OD and had blown the transmission up so ford was worthless and i didn't have an international pickup that i would tow with i didn't know hardly anything about towing and so i just didn't even cross my mind to tow it so i just drove it everywhere so i had to learn how to build it in such a way that it would uh, hold up to miles of use and go wheeling because i was stupid and hadn't figured out that you don't take your daily driver wheeling unless you like to either not make it to work on time or have a broken truck all the time so um yeah i've built this thing to hold up to a lot of abuse and and road miles and it worked out good um and uh, the demise of that scout it's actually it shaped a lot of my theories and my thought processes on building scouts. Uh, I was wheeling in uh, Natchez, Washington, the big trail system up there in Natchez, and I was taking it down a hill um, called Heart Attack, I found out later. And as I was pointed damn near straight down, the engine died. And... The brakes, something happened to the brakes, and we're still, to this day, nobody knows exactly what happened. But the brakes just disappeared. And the Scout took off downhill like a rocket. Like, I've never been in a Scout that accelerated that fast before. At least not at that time. Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys with your 6-liter Scouts probably can haul ass. But at the time... You know, my by now I had a 392 in it. It had been built quite a bit. Had a full cage. All that stuff was done to the Scout. I'd actually wheeled it in a couple of rock crawling competitions. You know, mild ones. Uh, so I was confident in the Scout's ability. It was a good crawler. Um, it was a good all around truck. Well, when it died going down heart attack, it took off, and there was a crowd of people at the bottom of the hill, and I had one option, and that was put it in the trees and I shoehorned it between two old growths that were about a foot narrower than the scout and I hit so hard that I broke the front axle in half split the pumpkin uh, kinked the leaf spring put the passenger front tire through the floor it actually split 
the body mount and the seam in the floor and the tire had started to poke through the floor. Uh, all of the impact damage was on the passenger side. Um, but I hit so hard that it wrinkled the driver's side quarter panel. That's, I mean, it was like neither of the doors would open. And this had a full cage tied to the frame. So, mind you, there was some serious impact there uh, to twist the frame like that. And, uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm better at scouts, but I'm still not 100%. So, you know, my first thought was it was a total loss. Um, you know, the front axle was broken and all that. I didn't know what to do. Uh, my girlfriend at the time... Um, you know, she walked away with just bruises on her shins uh, and her arms from from the impact because we did have the cage and seat, good seat belts and, and all that. Uh, I ended up with some bruises on my knees from hitting the dash, and uh, I actually bent the steering wheel uh, with my hands um, just from the impact and having my arms in there. Uh, so I, um, you know... To put it lightly, I had, had gotten pretty gun-shy of, uh, of wheeling after that incident, um, and more so of uh, automatic transmissions and four-barrel carburetors. Uh, there was a whole combination of things in there that kind of scared me off, um, which helped me build my 63 Scout that is kind of my flagship build that a lot of people remember me by. But uh, that'll be for another story. But as far as my Scout 2 goes, after we, we took chains and high lift jack handles and the winch cable, we actually straightened the front axle out and trussed it with chains and winch cable. And I drove the Scout out with working brakes, which is bizarre, all the way back to camp. Uh, and some of it was on the highway, on a road. Uh, and it, it made it, I mean, it wasn't, like I was doing 65, but I made it back to camp and uh, I was able to put it on a trailer, borrowed a trailer from one of the other guys and, and we were able to get it back home to Newburgh, um, but it was done. And had I known then what I know now, there's a lot of parts I wouldn't have just tossed, uh, but I, I don't know. I was scared of the thing. I was, I was shook up pretty good by it. Um, yeah, I just, it was just sour to the whole thing and I just wanted to get rid of that scout. So, um, parted out the stuff that was worth money, uh, at least to me was worth money and then scrapped the rest. And looking back, I got rid of some, some good stuff, but that was also 16 years ago. So good stuff then and good stuff now are kind of two different things. That's the, pretty much the, um, beginning of what sparked my next build but so um moving on <laughs> enough story time the the last couple pods i've talked about different oils and things that people are running in their engines and i've been getting questions which is kind of weird lately uh about cooling getting guys asking me about what kind of coolant to run why their scouts are overheating what they're doing wrong, um, what their mechanics don't know, you know, things like that. And 
I just wanted to go over kind of some of the basics of the cooling system. Uh, very first thing, we always run green, good old green coolant. And um, I always use distilled water. It just helps keep the scale and corrosion down. Uh, even you guys that had traditional water in your cooling systems and you flush it, I know you can't get it all out, but you know, put in the distilled, run that for a while, flush it again. Uh, and the flushing helps clean the system out anyways, but we always use distilled, we always use green. Um, you know, we do our best to flush the blocks out um, of just debris. When, we, when we're doing a radiator change or something like that, we just hose it out um, the best we can blow it out, try to get compressed air to move through there and push out the water that's remaining uh, and then put the radiator in and, and fill it with the coolant and distilled. Um, that helps with some of the cooling issues. Um, a lot of you guys need to go deeper. Uh, you know, your engine might run great, but you're getting hot. Uh, I've seen these things. You pull the freeze plugs and they are packed full with casting sand and rust and scale and everything else that builds up in these things over 40 years. Uh, and I've talked to engine guys from the factory who say that when the engine blocks came out of the machine shop, half of them still had sand coming out of them and shavings were in them and everything else and they just drove the freeze plugs in and sent it out the door because they just that's just how they did it. So, um, I recommend you guys, if you don't have a rebuilt motor and you're having cooling problems, um, definitely consider biting the bullet, pulling it out because there's freeze plugs in the back of the block between the transmission and the engine, pull it out, do a reseal, reseal all the gaskets, all of the, the valley pan, oil pan, timing cover rear main, just do a full reseal, and while you're doing it, pull all the freeze plugs, every single one, and hose the hell out of it. Get bottle brushes, make picks, whatever you gotta do to get all of that sand and debris out of the block, uh, because that really makes a difference. When, when the engine's only holding half a gallon of coolant, uh, because the rest of it's filled up with sand, of course it's not going to cool. Um, so you need to, you know, you need the most amount of water you can possibly get into that engine to cool it. So, um, you know, clean out that block, clean it out good, do your reseal, uh, put it back in, and then go for the, the green coolant and the distilled water. Uh, you know, the other thing you'll want to look at uh, is fan shroud. You know, a lot of you guys don't have them because they're plastic and they break and fall out. Worst case, get a sheet metal shop to make you a shroud. Do something because, uh, you know, you really need them. Uh, it's, it's important. Um, aluminum radiators, you can get them pretty cheap these days from Champion. Uh, we're a Champion dealer. A lot of guys are Champion dealers. And you can get them on eBay and Amazon for 160 bucks or whatever. So... Aluminum radiator, another big help uh, as far as cooling. Um, water pumps, make sure your water pump's in good condition. 
Um, there's actually clearance specs in the book um, where you can use a feeler gauge to see, or, or not feeler gauge, but some putty, I believe. It talks about using putty to measure the depth of the fan, or the fan, sorry, the impeller to body clearance because if it's too tight or too loose, it won't move the water the correct way. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a worst case scenario, but still something to consider. Um, and then finally, like a six blade fan. The six blade fans were optional on trucks that had air conditioning, uh, automatics, and uh, had higher draw type uh, demands on the engine. They had six blade fans. Uh, most of the time you'll see a five blade. Um, and then the early scouts, little in the pickups and stuff, had four blades. So you want to throw that four blade as far away as you can. Um, at least a five blade on those, but a six blade if you're having cooling problems. Uh, so look at that. Um, but the whole combination of flushing the block, pulling the freeze plugs, aluminum radiator, new hoses. Oh yeah, don't forget your heater core. Got to clean that guy out. Take it to a radiator shop, have it boiled out, have all the scale taken out of it, um, and new hoses, all that stuff. You should have the coolest running international on the block. Uh, no, uh, no reason why it'd still be running hot. If you had a rebuilt engine and it's breaking in still, you're going to see a lot of heat uh, come just from the tight tolerances and the break-in process. So um, be patient with that. Keep an eye on your gauge. I know some guys, your factory gauge, you don't trust. So they put in the aftermarket. So, you know, keep an eye on both of them. Keep, what I like to do is run both initially so that you can see where the line on the gauge is in relation to what 180 looks like uh, or, you know, 190 or whatever your thermostat is. And make sure you're using a good thermostat. Make sure you got the Robert Shaw in there or the Mr. Gasket version. Uh, they've got the correct weep hole and all that stuff in them. So, and all the IH vendors sell them. IH Parts, Super Scout, all those guys uh, sell those Robert Shaw thermostats. Uh, so, yeah, make sure all that's good. But run a second gauge to just verify that your original gauge is working correctly because uh, you don't want to burn up a new motor or overheat thinking you're doing fine. Um, so yeah, with all those things, there's no reason you should be having a cooling problem at all. Um, I've seen bad timing, poor timing, advanced timing, uh, will cause a truck to get hot a little faster than it should or longer. It should hold higher temps than it should. So, you know, if your tune is good and all that, they all kind of work together, but just really, you know, Getting all the sludge out of the block is the biggest thing. Uh, aluminum radiator on an old engine that's not cleaned out is just kind of a band-aid. Um, and I don't, I don't like to do it. But, uh, you know, there's options out there for you guys. So hopefully uh, that was informative. If you have any other questions about your cooling systems or what you want to do, um, shoot me an email. Uh, I really avoid the additives like water wetter and stuff. I mean, those are, those are for aluminum engines and, and race cars and, you know, street bikes that have tiny radiators and, and whatnot. You shouldn't need that in your scout, especially if you're 
stock and you're not pushing it hard, um, you'll have other issues. Uh, so yeah, take that piece of advice and hopefully that helps. But yeah, shoot me an email if you need more clarification, um, binder boneyard podcast at Gmail and I'll see if I can't help you out there. Uh, or DM me through the socials. Like, like I say all the time, you know, I'm around all of them. Most of the time I'm accessible. My phone's always going off with questions and comments from everybody. So, um, appreciate it. And, uh, don't hesitate to ask, or if you need some parts, let me see if I have it. Um, hopefully I do. If not, I'll send you the direction where to go. Uh, so I do, I do appreciate everybody, uh, reaching out, uh, all the kind words on, on Facebook and stuff. I, I really like it. Um, it makes me feel like I'm maybe doing something good here instead of just wasting air, but, uh, we'll keep going as long as everybody keeps enjoying it, keeps liking and keeps subscribing, uh, keeps sharing, then uh, we'll keep it going. Uh, hopefully someday I can have some guests on and somebody else can tell some stories and, um, you know, make it make it a little bit more interesting so it's not just me droning on to the microphone. But, uh, yeah. Um, oh, man, there's so much, but yet I don't know what to say. So uh, I guess we'll call it a day from here. I'm going to go back out and get... Uh, back to work get uh, stuff sorted out and keep loading for nationals so i'll see you guys at nationals troy ohio august 24th and 25th look for my big white trailer look for the black travelette um look for me wearing my black shorts and romeos <laughs> my shirt with my name on it uh kind of hard to miss so anyways come say hi come get a sticker come uh punch me in the face, whatever. I'm sure it's, it'll happen one of these days. So again, uh, thanks to all the support. Thanks to all you guys, uh, IH owners of the world, Frank Zabski, all you guys, thanks for the support and, uh, catch you next time.